As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is Conversations with People Promoting Mental Health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. The Guided Goals podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, Project Catalyst, and this is the Guided Goals podcast. I'm very excited. Our guest today is Ryan Williams, and we're going to talk about the influencer economy. Ryan is a writer, entrepreneur, and marketer, and founder of the Influencer Economy podcast and upcoming book. Ryan, welcome. Happy to have you here. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, why don't you tell our people a little bit more about you and what, what it is you do? I'm a former stand-up comedian, and I have since retired, so I've dropped the mic, but I then went in and changed my career into being a startup team member for many startups based in Los Angeles and one in London. And when I was at Machinima, which is a big gaming content network on YouTube, I noticed a phenomenon of YouTube creators becoming a new sensation, building businesses and companies. So I've focused my business, my podcast, and my book around what I call the influencer economy, which are maker, creator, entrepreneurs launching big media companies through their own content. Okay, so you are the perfect person to talk to it, for people who are launching passion projects or they want to or they're like, oh my God, what do I do? So what is it? Why is it so important for people to be creating content these days to achieve their influencer status? Uh, the, the first advice I give people is if you're going to create content, whether it's a, a blog or a podcast, YouTube channel, whatever you, you, you pick for a medium is you need to be consistent and do it every week. And, and also more importantly, build it into your routine for the business. And oftentimes people that pursue side projects that are, they're passionate about, they do it as a hobby and then they lose motivation, family gets in the way, and oftentimes they're full-time jobs. So I think you need to prioritize it and mentally bake it in 
to your business that this is imperative. It's part of the bottom line to make sure that you keep doing it because it's the long game. And for any sort of content platform you build for yourself, it's 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 years. It's it's a grind. Yes, but most, or at least I like to think the people who are doing it, especially the stuff on the side that that takes time off from you know their life, I guess, you know, the stuff they're being paid for while they're doing the things that they love that they want to eventually be paid for. You have to love it, right? Or you have to want to commit to it or else what's the point, right? Right. And most of it, it's like attrition. The people that end up surviving at the end and don't give up because they love it Mm -hmm. and they need to do it are ultimately, there's a, there's a great percentage of those people that succeed in the end. Like it's like Grace Helbig is a YouTuber that I'm profiling in my book. And she was on the Today Show, and they asked her what her viral moment was. And Kathleen and Hodo were fascinated by the viral moment, and I laughed because there's no viral moment. It's years and years of doing something you love and making it pay off. Okay, so what what's the first step? Someone who wants to start building their status and getting known, what, what do they do first? I think, depending on what the medium is, like the most important thing is starting and telling people about it. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, they think, like it's a romanticized to think that you can just be home in your office in a silo making something that's going to touch the world. So you need to get an email list. I always recommend picking friends and former colleagues and people that you trust. And you need to send them an email and say, I am doing this. I would love it if you could give me feedback on it because I want to make it the best in the world. Okay, and then they get their feedback and then just go for it, move uh, forward, yeah, onward? I, think, I, I feel like a lot of times people get stuck in being perfectionists and they want to launch with everything right. And they think that it has to be 100% perfect because that's what we are in the end, especially stuff that we're, we love. And obsessing about the details oftentimes gets you lost in the details. So I recommend creating a logo, just simple stuff. Like, And this is not only for you, but it's for the world to know that this exists. So when you go to a party or a coffee and you have your iPhone, you can say, hey, this is a logo I'm thinking about making. I made A and B logos, what do you think? And I I believe getting a website up is imperative, even if it's just the logo and your mission statement. Putting an email button at the top that says, hey, please sign up for updates. Emails are the most important things that you need to acquire to help build out your idea. And the basic steps like that. Okay, so what you're saying is take your claim, get yeah. your website, get your logo, figuring out, figure out what your content is going to be, whether it's a blog or a podcast or a web series or whatever it is, or actually in the case of this one, it's you know YouTube videos and podcasts and the blog posts, so when you can package it all together, that's usually good, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> you're getting... We, you have to Why be, is like, that good? Well, you have to, so you have to have a mission and the mission is what your thesis for the world is. Like I am proving X through Y, which is all my content and storytelling and collaborations. And then once you get to the point where this thing exists, then people will judge you by your portfolio of work. And the beauty of where we are, it's all on demand. So nothing has to be in real time. So making your content evergreen, and obviously trends shift over time, but you want to make it so it's accessible to anyone. And if you don't have an on-demand channel at this stage in the game and you work in marketing or you're an entrepreneur, then you're way behind the curve. 
And one of the things that really intrigues me is, now podcasting has been around for a while, but it's just in the last maybe year or two that it has just exploded. Why, why do you think that is? Well, there's the serial effect, mm-hmm. which is the popular podcast with Sarah Koenig that I loved. Um, I think that really changed the game for companies making podcasts and that media brands realized they had to be in people's earbuds telling stories. Um, but before that, I believe that it was mostly people that were creative and they were looking for another extension of themselves. And audio is cheaper to produce than video. It's also something that you can do that you don't have to actually be face-to-face with someone. So you can do it remotely more easily. And I think the tools are so much more accessible now. And we all now have uh, iTunes for the podcast app is native on the iPhone. And that only happened in the last uh, nine months. And more importantly, I think for the general trends of podcasting is internet-connected cars are going to be the future. And so as we get more enabled with technology, we'll have on-demand podcast versus radio in the future. I think that's it's only going to accelerate the growth of podcasting. Very, very interesting. Yeah, years not that many years ago, but I had a blog talk radio for Right On Online, which is my other site. And it was fine, but I just got so excited about the future and, and producing on demand, which is what, what caused me to make that transition. That plus, you know, prodding from people I know, like, oh, the person I'm speaking to right now. Right. Okay, so what else, what other mistakes do people make other than, you know, starting something and then dropping it because I'm sure there's more than that. I mean, the perfectionist one is so much. I mean, you know, the the perfection of launching your your thing because it's such it's your baby and you work so hard on this project. You don't want to have any imperfections, but we're all day to day. All of us, all of our projects are day to day. The beauty of the Internet is there's a quick memory for people. So if you fail, you move along and you say nothing, nothing happened here. I made a mistake. I owned it. You tell people that you screwed up, and then you move on. And so the perfectionist thing is a really big thing that I, I see as a trend that people get in the way of themselves because they want to execute it so awesomely, which is a problem, but also it makes you step up your game. Another trend I see is that people, they, they also just let life get in the way. And it's so easy. You have a kid. You have uh, a day job, and you have – all these other, like you have your garden. I mean, whatever. These are first world problems with gardening. Right. <laughs> but we all get wrapped up, and so they don't prioritize this. That they don't think there's a direct ROI, and they don't take it as seriously as they should. So they deprioritize it, and then other people that are honing their craft, building out their 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 mini empires of content, are are getting ahead of them. And so, what is something else? So, I'm an influencer. I we. The people who are listening. Uh, they pick one piece of content. I'm going to develop my blog in whatever format, etc. What other things can they do to get out in the world as an influencer? So yeah, everyone listening is an influencer. You're right. right? I, I agree with you. You have a very tasteful audience. <laughs> and uh, the the two things I recommend are going to industry specific conferences and talking to people and putting yourself out there. And if possible, getting booked on a panel. Because when you go to a conference and you're an attendee, you can, you can reach people. They're completely accessible. But you have to go up to people, right, that you don't know. Whereas if you are on a panel, you suddenly become the, 
mainstay of the attraction and people will come to you. So you have to, you don't have to work as hard to network and you get that built in credibility factor. And then the second thing is going to like larger trade shows. People often overvalue that. And I think if you go to a trade show like CES, uh, Comic-Con, for example, I don't know, like what trade shows do you go to? Well, I go to, well, Social Media Marketing World because I'm an editor for Social Media Examiner. Yeah. And I and it's not a conference, but I do have a monthly uh, hangout for writers and entrepreneurs, which is a, a combination of my Write on Online and Guided Goals communities. Since I, I wouldn't even call it a pivot, but my, my community used to be writer-centric. Now it's more entrepreneur with content and project focus. So, you know. Okay. More like yeah. a... Not even a full pivot, more like a turn of the head. But yeah. but this, I host in LA, and it's just a way for people who, mostly people who are working on their own, to like get out and talk to other people. And we do start with the whole, what are you working on? What are your goals? What are you going to accomplish next time? And what do you need? How can you help other people? So that... Why are you asking me questions? Because you're, because <laughs> I was curious about just because general conferences like I was making the point that uh, you, you do you do these events and you actually mm-hmm. create you know an opportunity in the community and the and the, the the piping for people to connect and share and connect with like-minded people and oftentimes when you go to a monster conference like CES, people lose their focus and they don't have a clear agenda and if you go to these events. You should only go if you have anchor events, which are lunches, dinners, drinks, that you have to have a clear agenda. And so I think people misunderstand how to fully optimize something like Comic-Con and even social media events themselves can become just beasts. And so you need to figure out like how to prioritize. So if you can figure like I had this lunch plan that has these 10 people that are going to be there or I have a drink with this person who I need to connect with for my business, then it's worth it. But I think a lot of people overvalue the big trade shows. And it sounds like you don't go to many of them. So, Well, I live in L.A., so there, there's an event. Well, no, there are several events every single day in Los yeah, Angeles, there's... except for maybe on the weekend it's a little bit more social. But, but we're, we live in a city that's got a ton of things, and it doesn't matter what you're into. And anybody who lives anywhere, you know, check your library, check your bookstore, check meetup.com, you will find something. And if you can't find something, then create something. Exactly. And this, and this is what I'm doing now is an extension of a group I created when I lived in Chicago in the <clears throat> 90s. So certainly something I've been doing for a while. The, the one thing I wanted to add to what you said about attending conferences, if you're not a speaker and you're just getting started, volunteer. That's yeah. the second best way to get everybody right. to talk to you. Oh, yeah. And you get to have exclusive time with people that are speaking or you know planning the event totally. Yeah, and we live in L.A. together. We're neighbors. <laughs> we are neighbors. And it doesn't matter what kind of town you're in. You can find or create opportunities. Or you're within driving distance from somewhere that's a bigger place. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so the other thing I want to address real quick, because you you mentioned it briefly, but work-life balance is so important, especially when you're working full-time and you've got a side project and you've got a life, you know, family, 
relationships, whatever. Give up that. What? Give up. Give up. up your um, life. Oh, come on. You have on. to give up your life. It's not. So, how do you achieve work life balance? Uh, if you have a significant other, you most likely are with that person because they get you. And so they usually are your biggest advocate and they understand that this is part of what makes you tick. So hopefully if that's the case, then you know how to carve out and prioritize your time. And you have to articulate the ROI to your partner that says, hey, I'm going to this event. Like I went to an event last week at the YouTube space in, uh, in Los Angeles and I said, I'm only going for 45 minutes. I know I'm missing bedtime, which I, I, I miss with my daughter. I'm bummed about that, but I'm going for a focus. I'm going to talk to this one person and I'm going to come home. And so I think you have to be honest with people. And, but I think, unfortunately for some people, your friends may change a bit because oftentimes your friends become more people that live in your universe where your business and overlap with friends is stronger than before. Yeah. Networking is in events is pretty much my, my social life, but you know, it, it's, but they're the people I enjoy. So, so you make a really good point to, you need to carve out the time and be with people you want. And also to understand that the people who get you may change. I think that's huge. And your friends, you know, may change your friends from college. For example, my friends from college think I speak a foreign language. They all have very traditional jobs. And the only thing they can really wrap their brain around is like how much money I make. And you may not value you know, that kind of a relationship anymore. So unfortunately, like the people that work in finance that are my friends, I have less in common with now. And I don't think it's necessarily great to hang out with them. And so uh, you got to find, unfortunately, sometimes your friend group transitions because you have to be around people that are positive and supportive to understand you're putting yourself out there taking a risk. And there's no defined ROI or op- you may, you may fail, right? You may create something that doesn't work, but you have to be around supportive people that are going to back you on that. And as you mentioned before, if it fails, ah, there's the next thing, right? It's the internet. We forget so quickly. Like one thing at Machinima, we would make mistakes with YouTube videos and you you apologize, you own it, you move on. And the next week everyone forgets and they love you again. And it seems like, you know, the internet, especially there's such a extreme, we love you or we hate you. So it's slow and steady, really, that wins the race in the end because it's it's a long game. Okay, so I want to give our our listeners some homework. So okay. what what do you think is something an influencer or would be influencer can do right now, like when they're done listening, to move forward? I think uh, ooh, that's a, that's a question. What kind of listeners are we talking about? Like with the project? Yeah, I I would say. In my mind, my listener is the one who either is working a day job and has a passion project on the side or wants to start one or is an entrepreneur who has the book they want to write as their side project within their passion project. I would pick a launch date for a major or minor milestone that you have that you've been putting off saying, oh, I don't know when I'm going to launch this product. It could be a book. It could be a new build for your your technology could be your podcast. Pick a launch date and work backwards and create a 30-day plan or whatever 45-day plan. But I would say that like the so hard to, to pick an end date and realize if it changes, that's okay. But when things become tangible and pressure and deadlines hit, that 
we often kick ourselves into adrenaline mode and mm-hmm. it forces us to actually build out what we vision, envision rather than letting it go. So that would be that, my homework. Oh, no, that's great homework. I'm going to add a second homework. So as soon as you're done listening, pick, a, pick something and pick a launch day for it. And then also find an event to go to oh, yeah. and go to with purpose. So we've got a personal and a professional goal in there in mind. Thank you yeah. so much, Ryan Williams, the influencer economy, speaking with us today. And any final thoughts? Go to that event with purpose. And uh, often don't treat events like they're strictly social events. Because sometimes I think people get a little caught up, like, oh, yeah, and they let their guard down too much. I think realizing that you're in control and that you're focused will work a lot better than if you just treat it like, hey, hey this is like, like people go to these events with purpose professionally, not just personally. And keep that, keep your business cards, keep your professional yeah. hat on and realize that the, imp- the internet people might forget, but you only have one chance to make a first impression. And go to people that you don't know and say hi. <laughs> Worst things that happen is they just ignore you. But that's not rejection. That just means you talk to them again in a week or a month or a year. It's very funny. I always feel like I need to apologize to my friends when I go to events because I'll see them. I'll give them a hug. Hi, how are you doing? I have to go meet people I don't know now. I will talk to you later. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing personal. Mm-hmm. And the ones who get you get that too, and that's important for everyone. 100%. Okay. Well, thank you again, Ryan, and thanks everyone for listening. And you've got your initiative, so go on and go for it. This is Deborah Eckerling with the Guide to Goals podcast. Thank you for joining us. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.